heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And just like that, everyone, the longest week in NFL history is over with because the Ravens just lost the Steelers 19-14. But today's episode is getting us ready for week 13. And also, too, we're going to talk a little college football. Why? Because probably the biggest Michigan fan that I know is here to talk with me. That is one half of the Motor City Marks. That is Joe Provost. Joe, man, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I uh, definitely appreciate it. I'm glad to be on. Man, I love to hear that. I love that energy. But, um, oh, man, like we got a lot to talk about just because, like I said, oh, yeah. we had the rankings out. We had, we're not going to talk about the game that just happened because, honestly, it was a pretty mad game. Not as much as I yeah. expected. And I also only yep. watched pretty much not even half of it because of the time it started. By the time I got home from work and had it on, it was yep. about halfway through the third quarter already. Yeah, yeah, I also didn't watch a ton of it. I caught the end, um, and from everything that I've seen so far, it was kind of just meh, as you already stated. The best thing about it was Trace McSorley, shout out Big Ten, getting that touchdown. <laughs> yeah, good old Trace McSorley. Um, yeah, I actually got a text from my boss. We had went to a Michigan-Penn State game a couple of years ago together, and uh, McSorley... McSorley was one of those guys in college who, you know, when he had pieces around him, he was good. Um, but after he lost Saquon and some of those big-name wide receivers, uh, it was kind of spotty at best. So I was always kind of interested to see what teams saw in him. I know he had stated, like, pre-draft he really wanted to be a quarterback, and a lot of other – or a lot of organizations kind of saw him as a wide receiver. So that was kind of interesting to, to see him in action toward the end there. Uh, just a quick question. Did he ever have Chris Godwin to throw to? Ooh, that is a great question. I don't think that. You know what? Actually, I believe so. I've got my laptop out here. I, I do think they overlapped um, and both started around. Yeah, they would have they would have played together So um, for one season. Yeah, I saw that his um, basically Godwin's junior year was McSorley's uh, freshman year. Yeah. But um, now that we have that subject open, also to folks, uh, like the last episode I had, Twitter will be open in case any breaking news falls down the pipe because, you know, it's 2020. But we got – I'm going to let Joe – because for the first time ever, like I said earlier, Joe, obviously, if you don't know him, he's a big Michigan fan and a big card collector and a big wrestling fan and a big Lion fan. So <laughs> if you feel like all those emotions minus the card collecting because I don't – I imagine you've opened some pretty cool packs as of late. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 2020 in a nutshell in the card world is completely opposite of my sports fandom right now as far as how all that's going. Uh, you know, cards are just like crazy right now. Um, people who weren't collecting know all about them. But yeah, as, as fun as all that's been, my sports fandom has been on par with 2020, you could say. <laughs> and I guess we can start with Michigan. So go ahead. Um, maybe even before that, we can talk. We, we we'll chop it up about the Big Ten. Um, so yeah, Big Ten uh, Commissioner Kevin Warren under a lot of scrutiny right now. 
Um, so basically what all happened was they decided to delay the season um, and then come back. But by the time they came back, they kind of worked themselves into a corner and it didn't allow for any teams to uh, have makeup games. And so, you know, like Ohio State, for example, they're they're on thin ice. And if they lose one more game, not actually lose, but if they are unable to play another game, um, they're not going to be able to uh, qualify for the Big Ten Championship. And thus, many think will not qualify for um, the playoff or in the playoff committee's view, they would not qualify because of that. Um, So that's something that's kind of going on. And then, uh, of course, we'll dive into Michigan season here in a second. But, of course, you know, now Ohio State fans, Michigan, actually, their game was announced today. Their game against Maryland, which was supposed to take place this Saturday, uh, Michigan's going to be, for the first time this season, unable to play due to COVID. Um, And now, of course, with all that comes some nervous Ohio State fans not so much nervous about the game, but if the game's going to happen. Uh, so that's kind of a really interesting dynamic as far as as far as that goes. Yeah, because I didn't honestly didn't know that, but the whole because I knew Maryland had trouble with COVID um, this year and stuff. I didn't realize that it was Michigan this time. And the other program I know too is the um, I believe the Gophers still have another week off. I believe they were supposed to play Northwestern this weekend. Yep, that's correct. So. Um, and you're you're a, I've seen you rock a couple of Northwestern hoodies in a vlog or two. I was I'll explain I was explaining that story here before and I'll tell you. <laughs> Four years ago I went to Chicago and in Chicago there is this wonderful store that Under Armour happens to run right off Michigan Avenue. Yep. I go in there and I see all this college stuff. Like I see um North like Northwestern, Wisconsin, uh Notre Dame, and I saw I see yep. this Northwestern hoodie and I only knew of the school because of Michael Wilbon at first. Yep. Um, and I saw the hoodie, and I was like, this is a nice hoodie. And I bought it, and I liked it since. And I also, I don't know if I ever told you this, because I really haven't worn it on camera, but ever since last year, I actually now own a Brady, Michigan jersey. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm definitely, of the three that you mentioned, uh, Northwestern is probably the most okay with me. Don't tell Sean I said that. But. I won't. <laughs> Sean, for those of you who don't know, roommate, big Notre Dame fan, so... Yeah. I think the first time I met him, he was either wearing a Tigers hoodie or a Notre Dame hoodie in New Orleans. Yep, probably a Tigers hoodie at that first night, and I'm sure there was a Notre Dame article of clothing mixed in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I just wanted to t- touch on all that because of the Big Ten Championship, because Northwestern is probably going to make it from the West, and they're not even in the top ten, which yep. I don't understand. Like, the rankings I don't understand. Like, I understand BYU a bit just because of strength of schedule and also to the whole stuff with um, them not wanting to play Washington, but I don't understand how an undefeated Northwestern hasn't made it into the Big Ten, especially with a win against a program like Wisconsin. So the the, the playoff committee is only going to dig themselves into a hole, and you're going to get a lot of pissed off people if, like, even say, for example, if Florida makes it to the SEC championship game, loses, but they still get Ohio State in because, like, I understand Ohio State's Ohio State, but you got to factor in Potentially, the I believe the ACC rematch, there's a very good chance one of those two whoever loses Clemson-Notre Dame, which I'm pretty sure, sorry, Sean, that Clemson will win the ACC championship. Um, yeah. 
So it's just it like you said before the uh, big Kevin Warren just kind of dug himself into a hole and even to now like he's changing rules on the fly like oh you have to win this many games like just literally he's not changing it on the fly excuse me he's but he, he's got to change it on the fly because if he doesn't then it's just going to look it makes the Big Ten look really bad like the Pac-12 has actually managed to salvage somewhat of their season that they've had in my opinion compared yeah, to the Big Ten absolutely yeah and you know. It, you know, I have to put my objective hat on and not my Michigan fan hat on. And if I was an Ohio State person, you know, again, looking at this completely objectively, I mean, I just feel like you you did all you could. to, You know, I mean, Ohio State um, and then not so much Michigan themselves. Um, Michigan kind of prides themselves kind of academics first and then sports second. Um, so they were kind of erring on the side of caution, but Harbaugh being a big football guy, you know, really wanted the season. Um, not sure he still thinks that way anymore, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, no. So again, looking at it objectively, I kind of think what the committee should do and, you know, just in the interest of fairness, if you think Ohio state is a top four team, you know, if you think that I, I don't see how you can penalize them. I mean, and if you look at their remaining games, like if they go and blow up Michigan like they absolutely should, is that really what you're going to is that really what you're going to keep them out is because they weren't able to play a potential game against Michigan, which in all likelihood they would have just rolled over them anyways. Um, so I'm just trying to look at this as fair as possible and I do feel like if, you know, that game doesn't take place, they would be getting the very short end of the stick. And yeah, it's just super unfortunate, but um, you know that's that's just life sometimes. Yeah, exactly, but and also too, for most people who don't, I'm, I'm not going to say this right now. With college football, Joe obviously knows a lot more than me. Most of the information I get is through like guys like David Pollock, Paul Feinbaum, Heather, Heather Denich. So like, yeah. I'm not too too versed in there. I, I basically know what I know through those people. And also, too, I don't watch it because I actually start work when I do. But I usually listen to Get Up when I'm at work because it is available via the SiriusXM app, which I have on my phone. So right. most of the stuff that I get with college football is through those shows, through those people, and I do trust Heather Dinich as a source with college football and especially the playoff. But yeah, I just it just I don't know why Michigan's the measuring stick for Ohio State because, like you said, more than likely it'll probably be a 20 to 30-point victory. When yep. in all reality, you can look at a game like Indiana, which I know, unfortunately, Parsons has done for the year with that. I believe he tore his ACL. Yep. Um... Why not look at that game? Penix, because Penix is pretty banged up. So P- Penix is the name. Excuse me, I got the. Yep. I said Parsons. I meant to say Penix. <laughs> um, I don't know why you don't look at that game with Ohio State, where it's like, look, the only legit competition they played this year. Because besides that, they, from what I can remember, they played Nebraska, which they rolled over. Even though there was like one drive, I'm like, oh, Nebraska looks good, and then it's like, oh, they look, and then they just rolled over them. Um, yep. They haven't really played anyone, so it's like, okay, you have this, but then the one game against Indiana. They were up big and they escaped through the skin of their teeth. So, if you were to put yeah. like Ohio State against Alabama right now, I think Alabama whoops them. Like I know I'm saying that you probably love to hear that, but every time yeah. I watch Alabama, man, they it's just Mac Jones has got so many weapons around him that he just looks good. He's got shout out my homeboy Mechie, who's from the same area as me, who actually my uh, girlfriend actually uh, knew as a kid. Um, Jessica knew him. Um, Najee Harris looks like a mini Der- like the second coming of Derrick Henry, and uh, Devontae Smith is gonna be an NFL stud. So like, yeah. 
Man, it's like what you can always say, those Bama boys know how to ball. Right. Yeah, Najee Harris is kind of like a little bit of a salt and an open wound as he was actually committed and enrolled at Michigan. And then, like, the very last day, um, peaced out and went to Bama. So that's, uh, ooh, that one hurts. I I didn't know that. Um, But, no, there's just so many programs right now that I'm just, like, just shocked looking at it all. I'm wondering, I'm like, how are they going to do? Because with Mac, I feel like Mac's going to go to the NFL, but... I don't have big expectations for him just because with a lot of these Bama quarterbacks, two is obviously the exception. But if you look at like Greg McElroy, AJ McCarron, none yeah, of they're really... kind of system guys that yeah. they just kind of plug and play in there, and they're kind of like, hey, don't make any mistakes, and you've got a ton of talent around you, and don't turn the ball over, and hey, we'll be good. That's all we. That's all we need from you. So it's kind of like that's Baker kind Mayfield. Of, that's their way. system, and it works. It's kind of like what you see with Baker Mayfield. Also, too, you kind of saw the similar things with USC, how like Sam Darnold was good there, Matt Barkley, Matt Leinart, all these studs. And then Sam, we're still waiting to see because obviously we know his situation. But like Barkley didn't really pan out, and we obviously know Leinart right now is working for... Uh, it's like the same thing, too. Barkley's a backup. You have McCarron's a backup. McElroy's working for ESPN. And then Matt Leinart's working for Fox. So... Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, every time I'm watching Fox, it just like it takes me back to like '04, '05, and like I just feel like everybody was kind of a college football back then. And USC, USC was just so much fun to watch, even though they got the best of Michigan a few times in the Rose Bowl. But yeah, those guys were fun to watch, and of course the epic battle with with Texas there. And um, yeah, I you know. It's funny because you were talking about some of the ESPN talent and Fox kind of low key. Like I found myself kind of like, I feel like ESPN, as far as like, if you're watching college football in the morning, like game day, obviously it's the staple. It's the heart of like college football, I feel like. But Fox, you get a little bit more analysis and Urban Meyer on there has been like incredible to listen to. And I know that might like shock a few people, but yeah, like I, when he's talking, I listen and everything makes sense. Exactly, and also to like you know how with a lot of these crews with different networks for the NFL, you can say, "Oh, these guys are good, but these guys suck." Man, yeah. I like the Fox crew too. I realize that, but like, I love like just Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, but yep. there's something about a Fowler and Herb Street game that just makes it special. Like they know, oh, you know, you hear those voices, you know, it's big time. Exactly, like when like, and even to um, all the big moments, like the energy they just put in, and also Herb Street just, like, knows the sport inside and out. I I do like, there are certain guys, like you say, ESPN's a staple, and also, too, like, I just like listening to guys like David Pollock and, like, Desmond Howard, just because, like, they know their stuff, but, like, yep. you're right in the sense, too, with Fox, we look at it, it's like, oh, Brady Quinn, Matt Liner, Urban Meyer, I believe Reggie Bush is out there, too. Yep. There's just certain things about that where it's like, you know what, you, it's not like you can't go wrong. The only one I kind of have a problem with is CBS, just because I feel like Gary, uh, What's the guy's name? Nestler and Danielson are kind of vanilla compared to the others, and same thing with their panel. Yeah. Where it's kind of like... Sure. And obviously I'm not going to say NBC because they only do Notre Dame, and obviously with CBS it's a little selective because they only do the SEC, and ESPN and Fox yep. do so much more, but that's just the way I look at it. Like, it's like kind of like 1A, 1... Like, it's kind of like... Not even 1A, 1B. It's like first and second, but it's like not very behind second is Clatt and uh, Johnson, just because... Man, Gus is a little firecracker when he calls games. Oh, yeah. No, he's... I, I think I could watch, like, two random, like, Sunbelt teams, and if he was calling the game, you're going to be into it. You could watch UTEP versus, like, Georgia Southern. It would be exciting. 
Yeah, I'll tune in just for Gus. <laughs> well, the next thing I want to get into with you, so like you said, 2020 has been a shitty year for me as a sports fan because obviously <laughs> the, on other sports, the Pistons, We even though I love the coach, shout out Dwayne Casey, um, yes. Pistons kind of are in a weird limbo right now. The Red Wings obviously are rebuilding. And then yep. we have the Lions where Patricia and Quinn are now obviously gone. Um, we knew this was coming. Um, I didn't... I didn't look so much into it. I didn't realize, too, with the whole Jim Caldwell stuff until I saw that Dan Orlovsky ran on ESPN about, say, about a month or two ago. Yep. It's just like, where, like, literally for the Lions now, it's like their fans are looking at it going, like, where do you go from here? Yeah, and, you know, I have no problem admitting that up front, when the Lions hired Patricia, I... I, you know, when it comes to the Lions, I'm never sold on anything, but I was intrigued and I thought maybe there was a possibility. I wasn't completely sold, but I did think that there was a, 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 a relatively decent possibility that Patricia would kind of break the mold of the kind of like Belichick assistant turned head coach kind of curse or trend. Um and clearly that did not work. You know, what we were sold as Lions fans is we were getting a brainiac, a defensive genius, and a guy that, you know, was just beyond smart. And I, maybe that's the case. It Whatever, it did not translate. And from everything that we've heard over the last few years, it was, you know, 100%, you know, a chemistry thing. He didn't gel with the players. Um he came in wanting to do the Patriot way, which is fine. Um, he weeded out some of the veterans who didn't want to buy in, and then pretty soon just everybody didn't buy in. Um, so, you know, if you remember, they got rid of Quandre Diggs relatively cheap. They got rid of, uh, of course, Darius Slay. Um, they didn't they didn't gel, like, right off the bat. Um, so that wasn't a good sign, but I thought, okay, you know, this guy's hard-headed. He's, you know, weeding out kind of the bad apples, and it turns out he might have been a bad apple. Um, I just want to stop you because we have some breaking news. Um, yeah. It, it, um, in early indications are saying that Steelers linebacker Bud Dupree has suffered a torn ACL, according to Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network. He is set. Yeah. He's playing on the franchise tag right now, and he was sl- slated to be a free agent. Man, this has been a bad year for ACL injuries, and wish Bud all the best in his recovery. Um, it's a really bad loss for that Steelers defense, not only from a selection of uh, – for obviously with him being a free agent, but just for them coming down to this final stretch of the season for the uh, Steelers. Definitely, and if you remember, I mean, it was must have been like week one or two, um, another linebacker, former Michigan standout Devin Bush, tore his ACL as well. One of the worst haircuts yeah. in the NFL. <laughs> but, yeah, no, he did tear his ACL. I know, in all seriousness, but you, Yeah, you can't argue it with how he plays. <laughs> no, exactly. That's like that's just one of the things I've noticed with him. He's just got a weird hairstyle, but, no, he's a Definitely. fantastic fantastic um, middle linebacker, or I don't know if he's a middle linebacker, but just an outstanding linebacker for the Steelers, who now that's two big losses on the defense, so we'll see how they do down the stretch, if they could go 16-0. and um, yeah. I feel like with Patricia, I've said this from the beginning, he's always been, just back on that note now, he basically wasn't trying to be himself. I feel like he was trying to go in there and be like Belichick, where he's kind of like, you know what, if I'm a hard-headed just hard ass all over. Mm-hmm. It's gonna work, and I'm gonna be this great coach. But in reality, you lose the locker room so quickly, and players start to not want to play for you and stuff. Like, like look at Mike Vrabel, look at yep. John Harbaugh, look at Andy Reid. Like, 
they're the kind of guys where, well, it's opposite, we'll get into this too, but opposite of Bruce Arians, um, where they're not looking to put the blame on, like those guys are looking to put the blame on someone else. They take the blame for themselves saying, hey, you know what, maybe I didn't do the best job coaching. It's not my player's fault. Meanwhile, with Patricia, it just seems like he was just trying to go in there and figure, oh, hey, I'm going to go in there and do this. Everyone's going to earn my respect because, you know what, you have to be authoritative and this dictatorship. Meanwhile, he kind of forgot that human aspect of being a coach of saying, look, i got to connect with my players. And you know what, I'll have fun when I have fun, but when it's time to go, it's time to go. Meanwhile, he just completely ignored that and lost the locker room very quickly. And now even, too, there's a lot of questions with not even the coach and the GM. Obviously, who's going to be it moving forward? Not, obviously, Daryl Bevel, but what's going to happen in 2021? There's a lot yep. of player questions going into the next season with this team. Definitely, and it starts at the top, I think, with Matthew Stafford, of course. And, you know, if I'm Detroit, I am absolutely trying to trade him because you're about to go through yet another rebuild. And by the time your rebuild comes to fruition, even if it, even if you play all your cards um, perfect, uh, you know, he's going to be up there by the time that team would be ready to roll again. Um, so I am 110% on board with trying to get some value back for them. I mean, they're not going to get a first or a second or maybe even a third. But if you can get like a fourth and a sixth and shed that cap, because his cap hit is like tremendous next year, um, I would take that all day and just kind of restart. And that's kind of where I'm at. And I mean, that's just where it has to start. And I think whoever is tasked with coming in and taking over the front office, that's that's going to be priority number one is figuring that out. Exactly, because look, you got to do what you got to do with him, especially I'm trying to figure out what his cap hit for uh, what the exact number for 2021 is, and it is uh, $34.95 million yeah. in 2021 and then $27.95 in 22. So yeah, it, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good, but if you can find a dance partner to trade with, like I think you should do it. Um, there's also questions too, just because obviously I know more than likely, I think Galladay and Jones Jr. are probably not going to be coming back considering they're free agents. Um, you have a young running back in Swift. The defense has pieces, but at the same time, too, it's kind of like you got to see what you can do with that. It's yep. just... And also, too, you guys have probably one of the best young tight ends in the league, obviously, excluding Kelsey and Kittle for obvious reasons. But TJ Hawkins is a very, very underrated player right now, in my opinion. Yeah, and considering, you know, just the mess and just how inconsistent that team is. He has been a relatively consistent bright spot. Um, so I do, yeah, I'm on, you know, TJ, TJ's TJ. He seems like I get, you know, everything you hear, he, he's one of those types that's the first one in the door and last one out and, you know, really works at his craft and it kind of shows on the field. So I, uh, I believe it. And, you know, NFL is about matchups, right? And tight end is one of those positions where, you know, it keeps defensive coordinators up at night if you've got a really good one. Exactly. And also, too, he comes from a great tight end school, actually, because, like, Kittle, and then you had him and Noah Fant come out in last year's draft in Iowa. So, yep. Iowa's now known, I guess, as, like, a tight end and an offensive line school. So Yeah, just anything. Yeah, and, I mean, even, you know, yeah, tight end playing on the offensive line. They, they've had a, you know, Kirk Ferentz there, they've had a recipe for success. You know, even in Iowa's down years, you knew – you were going up against 6'5", 330-pound linemen that are talented and, you know, always great pass-catching tight ends. 
Yeah, it's like what I, it's also like what I yeah, excuse me, it's tripping over my words. It's like what I like to say about the Wisconsin all line. You're just going up against a bunch of beefy Midwestern boys. Yep, just oh. a bunch of corn fed farm boys. That's all it is. <laughs> there, like I said, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Notre Dame. All just fucking Midwestern farm boys, corn fed grain, all beefs living on that, like uh, USDA grade uh, beef. That's, that's what those three schools. Also, too. Alabama's another one, but Alabama just gets their linemen from everywhere. But, like, when you were talking about true Midwestern... Yeah, like, homegrown talent. Yeah. 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 I feel like Wisconsin's one of those schools that's always known for homegrown talent. It was like, if you look at it, too, like, they have the Watts, uh, the Ryan Ramchek. I don't know. I think Ramchek's a Wisconsin native, but one of the best offensive yep, linemen in the league. Great. Yeah, so you answer the question for me. Uh, Tristan Worfs. Uh, examples, too, like... The name Mike McGlinchey, like I remember hearing this on a Barstool podcast, part of my take, it's like, you hear that name, you think right away, Notre Dame offensive lineman, Quentin Nelson, Notre Dame offensive lineman. Um, It's just, oh man, that Midwestern is just an offensive lineman factory. Yep, it's a a breeding ground for for, uh, those big O-linemen for sure. And they're not just big, like we said, they're top picks in the draft, so. Yeah, exactly, because... uh, it's like the one thing I heard a few years ago watching the scouting combine that I actually showed my sister and my girlfriend a few weeks ago because they didn't believe me. Where Mike Mayock says, like, this is back before obviously he was working for the Raiders, where he goes, like, you got to look at the bubble butt on this offensive lineman. And they had no idea what I was talking about. I showed them the clip of him saying that, and they were just crying, yeah. laughing, because they can't believe you're you're articulating a guy as, like, the way his ass moves as he's, like, in a stance trying to hold someone up. And I'm like, yeah, that's and a football that's a, personnel are weird yeah. people. It's a value trade, for sure. <laughs> it is, it is. Oh, so, um, we'll obviously talk a little bit more uh, college football towards the end and stuff, but we got to get into week 13 of the NFL season. Also, to duly note, in the self-professed one of the two Matt Lorenzo leagues, uh, Joe actually beat me this week because my fantasy football team forgot to play football. Um, <laughs> and I left Kenya Drake on my bench, so uh, f- fool's off to me. Um, so, going into week 13, we have... Uh, some interesting matchups. Um, before I get into anything, I'm going to say this. There's only two matchups this week. The Browns and the Titans and the Rams and the Cardinals were both teams are above 500. So, it's not a good week for football. No, it's a, it's a week that I know betters in Vegas are probably laying some money lines on some favorites. That always seems to be when there's a heavy, heavy favorited week in terms of teams. Um you know, a lot of guys like to go for that parlay and try to stack up like five favorites and try to win some easy cash. Of course, you usually get an upset in there and it kind of ruins the whole thing. But I know that's typically a play in a week like this. There are um, there are a bunch of games: football team Steelers, Broncos, Chiefs, uh, Packers, Eagles, Giants, Seahawks, Jaguars, Vikings, Bengals, Dolphins. And the Vet Raiders versus the Jets, where the spreads are all eight and above, the highest being Kansas City at versus Denver, which is at fourteen right now. Yeah. So let's get this ugly show off on the start. I only say ugly not because look, I know we took talked a lot of college ball. I say ugly because this is a week of football where you got to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Um, yep. We have the Saints visiting the Falcons. And not because of what they did to the Raiders last week. I'm very tempted to take the Falcons here only because, look, when you have a division opponent, you play them more than once, you kind of get to figure them out. And at the end of the day, I still think the Saints will win this game, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Falcons have a way to stop Taysom Hill. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that, with your analysis there. Um, I think that when it comes to the Saints offense right now, it kind of, it's a little bit sluggish. Like, I feel like they're kind of caught in between of still, like, the Drew Brees offense where they're just, you know, quick throws and downfield throws. Not that Hill's not capable of that, but, you know, versus more of a zone read, you know, design quarterback runs. Um, one thing of note too, I've noticed like Kamara hasn't done anything in like the last two weeks, um, with Hill under Helm. So yeah. And then, you know, Falcon side, they played really inspired football that, um, I'm get you know, obviously their new coach is auditioning. Um, and he, you know, he's going to get a little bit of a longer run than Bevel. Of course, Bevel with the Lions will get his, uh, courtesy interview but i think this guy is actually a a legit candidate um to overtake that job don't know if he will or not but we'll see what happens there so yeah i agree i think saints win but i think the falcons keep it close sam if i had to pick a score for this game i would say like 21 to 17 kind of thing like kind of yeah somewhere in that neighborhood for sure or even maybe like a 27 to 21 or something like that for sure oh i i fully agree with that score but i still think at the end of the day look the saints defense is just I think they'll still find a way to kind of stop Matt Ryan and that Atlanta offense because the Saints defense, I think, is actually pretty legit this year. Um, The next game we got, actually, I just go off what I see on my app, and the next one is your boys, the Detroit Lions, visiting the Chicago Bears. I'm going to start by saying this. I think the Lions win this game. Yeah, um, so, you know, kind of going back to the whole Patricia thing, the players hated them. There was a report that came out, or it it was unconfirmed last year, and then it resurfaced uh, this week. And the Lions actually had a player-only party to celebrate the end of the year last year. Um, just because, and the main purpose of that was because they were getting time away from Patricia. So, hopefully they didn't party too hard <laughs> this week and there's no hangover. But yeah, the Bears... The Bears are such, you know, they've got, you know, when you think of the Bears, you think of that defense, but they, and they've got pieces on offense. I like Allen Robinson. I like David Montgomery. Um, I think losing Cohen was kind of a bigger deal than a lot of people want to give credit for. Um, but between Foles and Trubisky, I mean, they've got to figure it out at quarterback before a lot of those defensive guys um, get old. Because it would, it would be, you know, a shame to, not see that defense, especially as a Bears, you know, if you're a Bears fan, to not see that account for anything meaningful, knowing that you had such a stacked defense. Exactly, because look, it's like, it seems like, too, from what I've seen from Bears fans, and also, too, like I said before, how I know Northwestern is Michael Wilbon. Michael Wilbon, frustrated Bears fans. He says you see the same thing all the time. Great defense, shitty offense. Like, look at the Bears team that got to the Super Bowl in 2006. Rex Grossman was your quarterback, and you had... Yep. Like, I the, don't remember a lot of players from that defense. I think Peanut Tillman was there. You had Brian Urlacher. Um, like, it's literally like you got that crappy team got to the Super Bowl. So, like, that was one of the years they were saying that's one of the worst teams to ever get to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Um, Mitch Trubisky has been confirmed by Nagy to start. But okay, yep. this team as a whole, I personally think that the seat under Ryan Pace is, start, is pretty warm right now. But... It's kind of like, let's compare it to the hot seats to, uh, like, your car bum warmer, or seat warmer. You know yeah. how there's two settings where the first one's really hot, and the second one where it's only the one bar, it's kind of like, oh, it's, it's, like, it's a little warm, it's a little toasty? Yep. I think Nagy's is, like, in that toasty stage, but I think Pace's is really, really, 
heating up right now because, look, Matt Nagy does have the playoff win and the coach of the year under his belt, but obviously last year was 8-8. Eight and eight. This year was, look, we're 5-1, and one, but all along you were saying this may be the worst 5-1 and one team we've ever seen because if you look at their wins, it was the comeback against the Lions, the squeaker against the Giants, the comeback against the Falcons, and then there was the Colts game where they looked bad, the Bucks game where it was like, okay, what happened? And then the same thing, too, where they squeaked it out against the uh, Panthers, and ever since then they've been... Oh, and five. So, yeah, and yeah, it looks like you know when everybody was you know saying that you know has there ever been a worse five and one team? Um, I think so far they've proven that no, there hasn't been. <laughs> exactly, and also, do I only think the Lions win because look, I don't. I think they're going to play inspired. I think they're going to be a little encouraged because like you always see too after a coach gets a new coach comes in and a coach gets fired, like we saw this year how Atlanta went to Minnesota and beat up on them, how Houston's got kind of, like, they're, they've won a bunch of games since uh, Bill O'Brien was let go, which, biggest non-spoiler of the year, him and Dan Quinn getting let go. But now that Patricia's gone, I feel like it's kind of, like, going to spark some of the guys and they're going to want to go win for Bevel. But I do agree with you, though, in the sense where Bevel will get his pity interview, but he'll end up either maybe retaining his offensive coordinator job or he'll end up working on another offense somewhere in the NFL. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely definitely think it depends who comes in as head coach. I know they're pretty interested in the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator. So, you know, if you bring in a guy like that who's not super offensive-minded, I think he stands a better chance um, to be retained in his old role. So we'll see what happens. You want your defense playing ruthless aggression football? Yeah, you bring in Robert Sala. Um, yep. Yeah, you want sure. Jamie Collins out there murdering people every week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> him and Desmond Trufant. Um, not, that's not a knock on the Lions. I'm just saying, look, Robert Sala is a hard-ass, but he's a hard-ass in the sense of, look, people like and respect him, but he's a football guy. Yep. Um, the spread on this game is three. I think it's a low-scoring game. I think it's a very similar game to what we saw last year on Thanksgiving. Uh, I like to put scores on games like you saw in the first one. I'm going to go 23-20 to 20 Lions win on a Prater field goal in Soldier Field. Ooh, I, I like that. I'm going to go... I'll go 20, Lions 20, Bears 17, and, and the Lions pull it out under Bevel for uh, his first ever, or in his head coaching debut, so obviously first win. Exactly. So we're on the same page so far their games. Next up, we've got the Colts visiting the Texans. Oh, man, this is a get-right game for both teams. And obviously, I know Houston's looked good, but this is the kind of game where after last week Thanksgiving, Nance and Romo were starting to talk like, hey, could the Houston Texans kind of make a run and uh, potentially make the playoffs? I personally think it's too little too late, and I think the Texans may blow it up at the end of the year, like with how I was saying before the Walk Brothers. I could see J.J. trying to get out of get out of Houston, but I think this is a bounce, this is a bounce back for the Colts. I think the Colts win this game. I don't think they win it. I, they win big, but they kind of have some trouble, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to say they pull away 31-21. to 21. Man, you're not even going to believe that you stole my score. Actually? You actually stole my score. Uh, but just for the sake of going something a little bit different, I'm going to go 34-21 um, in favor of the Colts there. I think losing Fuller um, to his suspension is uh, is a big blow. I know Kiki Cootie is probably expected to step up in his absence. but uh, And Brandon Cooks is, I mean, he's, you know, Let's see, uh, over 700 uh, yards on the year. Only three TDs. Um, 
I'm guessing he's probably going to be kind of the go-to now. But uh, yeah, I think I think considering losing Fuller, it's that's just tough. And Bradley and the Roby, they're just better top to bottom. And Bradley Roby on an already um, on. A, I've always said this too that the secondary is the weak point of the Texans, and they already lost. They just lost a starter in Roby, so. I'm, I don't I, I don't want to know who the doctor is or were they taking medical advice from Travis Scott, but something's not right. Because I heard this yesterday on Pro Football Talk, but I think that may be the reason why Will Fuller wasn't traded because I think maybe they probably either had a disclaimer saying, hey, he may be getting in trouble from the league or like the pack or when the, like the, they were probably calling the trade in. It was... Yeah. Oh hey, um, yeah. By the way, this is happening, and the Packers may have cu- pulled out at the last second. So that's just something I wanted to throw in there with that whole yeah. deal too with Fuller. Because look, Fuller's one of the main reasons you beat me this week, and it's always kind of funny when like after a big game or a big season that someone gets popped for this. Like I remember as a Jays fan, Chris Colabello, he had an amazing 2015, and then he had a PED suspension. So it's like, oh, so uh, that was for nothing. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and you know, with the NFL being such a "what have you done for me lately" league, you know, I think Fuller will bounce back just fine. But you know, there's a lot of guys that otherwise don't overcome a lot of stuff like that. Um, but teams will be, you know, no matter what happens, you know, Texans retain them or not, you know, he his services will be valued somewhere. Oh, I'm for sure someone will uh, sign him. I'm just. Trying to, and also because he will, him and Roby are suspended for the first game of the 2021 season. It's because I assume suspensions don't count for the playoffs. So that's just something teams got to consider where it's like, hey, we're getting 15 games out of this guy. But like you said, he's going to bounce back, and I'm sure someone will sign him. And also, too, I think his fantasy stock may drop a bit, but he'll still, I think, go in the first five rounds. Yeah. I Again, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know where to go from there for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's all good. Um, next up, uh, I'm simply going to put this: the Raiders bounce back after that horrible effort against the Falcons. Because who do you got? Oh yeah, you play the New York Jets. So I'm not saying they're going to whoop them, but it's the Jets. And like 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 Danny said, Dangles Ham said on this podcast about a month ago with me. Adam Gase gives us the best chance to lose, and that's what's going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah, um, if there was ever something that the doctor ordered after last week for the Raiders, uh, it was a matchup with the Jets. I mean, this is a perfect get-right game, get back on track, reboot some confidence, and kind of. I mean, if you remember, like it was only a couple of weeks ago, the Raiders kind of had that swagger about them almost. And you saw Derek Carr doing a lot of good things. And there was even talks of him kind of – everybody knows that he wasn't going to be, like, an MVP. But uh, he was getting, like, MVP chatter as in, like, being, like, a number five or a number six kind of finisher um, in that in that race. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, Raiders all the way in this one. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to say, like, oh, 41 to 13. I'm going to go a little lower than that. I'm going to say 24 to 13. I think, you know what, the Raiders, because there's moments, too, where, like, the Raiders' weak point is their defense. So I could see maybe Donald conjuring up a drive or two and maybe leading them down. But at the end of the day, I think Derek Carr has that kind of game where not only does he kind of remind us that, hey, like, Derek Carr is still a good quarterback, but it's kind of like, 
he's going to do enough to make them win. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that whole dynamic with, you know, Gruden and Carr, you know, reports, you know, for since he's got there was like that they didn't get along or at least that Gruden didn't believe in him. And I think Carr's playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder trying to trying to prove what he can do. So um, we'll see if, uh, I mean, this week I would expect big things and we'll see what happens going forward there. Oh, I fully, but I honestly expect Carr to stay. I think they stick with Carr and Mariota and they're going to try to focus on the defense in this upcoming offseason because, look, you got pieces there, but you know that, look, your secondary is okay, but it's not the best. And you maybe, if you can get, like, another key offensive, uh, not offensive, defensive lineman to help, like, Farrell and Max Crosby, who, shout out Mac Nation, um, has really come into his own in a role with the with his Raider uh, defense. Definitely. Um, the next game I got for you is one of the games with a 500 team on both sides, and that is Browns-Titans. And I will say this. This game is a measuring stick for both teams to determine how far they could potentially go in January. And by that, I mean basically, look, because both teams sometimes, you know what, that light shines bright on them and they struggle. Like the Browns this year, look, their three losses were all against teams who are in the playoff positioning right now, even though I think Baltimore may be just on the outside looking in, especially I haven't checked the standings since they lost today. But um, the Browns, if you look at them, look, their losses were the Ravens butt-whooping week one, the Steelers butt-whooping week six or seven, and then the Vegas Raiders who kind of, they didn't do anything, so... Uh, it's this game all just depends on, in my opinion. Look, whichever run game goes better, my think goes down because you got two stellar running backs on both sides of the ball. Uh, Joe, are you there? Right. You got me. Yeah, I got you. Kind of lost right, cool. All right, yeah. So the Browns, I think, when it comes to them, you know, actually, we'll start. I saw an interesting stat, and it was something like. People were criticizing the Browns for not using Baker to his advantage, um, to or to his strengths, and something like they take like over sixty percent of their snaps from under center, and that's something that Baker, even in his rookie year and his sophomore year, he wasn't doing a lot. Um, so that's kind of different. I think they're trying to manage him a little bit, but also when you try to manage a guy like that, you're taking away a lot of his big playability, less risk, but you know, potentially less reward when it comes to a guy like that. Um, so I don't know if they're going to keep up with that scheme going forward. Um, I did, I did want, I did catch part of their game and saw some of the highlights, uh, their last game. And it did look like, you know, you'll have to jog my memory here. Who was their last game against? Uh, Cleveland. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly brain for, Oh, 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 sh- I, I should not, I should remember this because I literally talked Browns on Monday with uh, Roger Sports and Sandy McNamara. I had to name drop him, obviously, Andy, now friend of the program. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's who it was. But it was so, close, though. It was 27 I, I, to 25. Yeah, and they said that, you know, they, you know, they seem to, they're, the Browns to me, like, they, I feel like a te- they're a team, you know, that, has played almost better without Odell. Is that fair to say? Or do you agree? Honestly, I do. And they're kind of a team to me where like, you know, they're you know, they're sitting here at eight and three, but they kind of lack 
they don't really like have an identity. I know we talked about you know like their run game with Chubb and Hunt, but you know what is when you think of the Browns? I mean, you just there's so many weapons there. I don't understand why. And granted, eight and three is nothing to scoff at, but I just feel like that offense has another gear to it. And how they extract that, I'm not sure. I agree with you. Um, I was hearing this today, because like I told, I name-dropped Pro Football Talk earlier, where I was saying, um, it was something else I kind of brain for, oh, um, yeah, the whole Lions stuff, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of, my mind's all over the place, just trying to talk many different things with football, but the one thing I was going to say, what they said about Baker was, will they always be that team where, you know, they keep him around, but he does kind of just enough to secure his job? Kind of like, and also maybe potentially win championships. Because if you look around the rest of the Browns, they've got a great defense. Miles Garrett, I think top three defensive player of the year candidate. Their offensive line's playing well. They do have weapons on the outsides, obviously, like OBJ, Landry, who I think Landry finally had a good game uh, this year, not only for fantasy, but just in general. And then also, too, um, I was going to say, too, you have OBJ, obviously, but like you said, Baker may be playing better without him. You have the two-headed monster at running back. But I want to drop quickly for you a hockey metaphor. So you know how Chris Osgood was the goalie for the Red Wings for some of their cup runs in the late 90s? Yeah. And you know how he kind of did just enough to get by as they won those championships, like 97, 98? Yeah. I can see Baker Mayfield doing the same thing where, you know what, they keep him. He's kind of an average quarterback where he does just enough to help his team win that they actually get somewhere. To where yeah, the ex- to the that's extension of a pretty good comparison. Yeah, to where he kind of of um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Where he just does enough so he can kind of help his team win, and then you know what? When he leads his team to a championship, he may not be the main piece, but it's look, hey, look, Baker Mayfield did it. Like I'm not saying Cleveland Browns a Super Bowl contender, but I honestly think why not? Like, what's the point in getting rid of him now with all his mistakes when you can keep him and develop him, especially too when he's going to get his first full off season with the same head coach in Stefanski. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things, too, where it's like, again, we talked about how the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. I mean, you look at the Ravens, and there's already talks that they're not going to pony up for Lamar when that time comes around. And, I mean, the dude's coming off, like, one of the best years ever statistically. So that just goes to show, like, how quickly you can kind of fall in and out of grace within organizations. Um but again, you know, I think you made a perfect comparison to kind of Ozzy with the wings back in the day. Um, one of those things where was he the greatest? No, but he wasn't bad, and they were winning. So it's kind of like you don't fix what's not broken. Exactly. That's where I'm looking at it too. Where I feel like a lot of people are, and I've been, I'm guilty of this too. Where you kind of you're uh, kind of quick to jump the trigger and judge Baker Mayfield, where it's like, oh my God, he's this, 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 this. But that's the one thing not a lot of people realize is, look, the guy's gone through four head coaches and a bunch of, like, he's had Hugh Jackson. He had Freddie Kitchens as an OC and then the interim coach. And then he had Freddie Kitchens, which when that hire was made, I was always skeptical of it. And now, look, you have Stefanski. Where Stefanski, you didn't know what you were getting. But, look, they're 8-3. and three. They may be the, like I said this about the Colts, where the Colts are a quiet 7-3. and three. The Cleveland Browns are a quiet 8-3 and three right now. Think about that. The Cleveland Browns have won eight football games. Yeah, and Before you know, seven. like we were talking about earlier with like the Bears, you know, were they the worst five and one team ever? There's something about like once you get past the midway point and you're still kind of finding um, a decent amount of success, 
to me, that's when it kind of becomes a little bit more real. Like, there's not too many pretender eight and three teams. They, you know, are they gonna? Are they? I don't know if anybody's gonna peg them for a Super Bowl, but they're, you know, at eight and three, they're, you know, they're in the conversation. And we've all seen how in the NFL, if you get hot at the right time toward the end and things start to click, and that's a, that's what I'm kind of getting at. This team, ha- I don't think this team's like fully clicked on all cylinders yet. Exactly. And here they are at, at eight and three, and I I still think there's another gear there. So that's why the Browns are a little bit scary to me. They're not a team I would want to catch in the postseason. Exactly. They're very unpredictable to where you don't know what you're going to get. I think of them looking, looking at their schedule ahead, like they have the Titans, they have the Ravens, the Jets, Giants, and Steelers. So if you're looking at that's a pretty favorable schedule. I think worst case for this team is 10-6. and six. I'm not saying they're going to win out and go 13-3, and three, but considering you're saying worst case scenario and 10-6 and six for the Cleveland Browns, even if they don't have any postseason success, I think they're one of those teams that, look, they may have to get to the postseason to get punched in the mouth to kind of go, hey, we do this now, we can build an extra. Like, look at Buffalo last year. Buffalo had a good off, got a good season last year, got in the playoffs, had that bad game against Houston, but look at where they are now. So... You may sometimes you know what you have to get knocked down to get knocked up to be knocked back up again. Jump yeah, for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, with this game, I think it's close. But I think you know what the Titans have enough offensive weapons to get it done. I'm going to say 31 to 28 um, Titans win. I think it's a very close game though. Definitely, um, definitely on board with the Titans here. Um, yeah, spread five and a half. Uh, you know, I'm going to go Titan. How, how can you pick against the Titans? And, you know, we haven't even got to talk about Tannehill and the year that he's had. I mean, you know, coming out of not, I don't want to say he came out of left field, but I, I don't know anybody that predicted the level of success that he would find. And it just goes to show too, like, you know, some players have the talent. It's just about the right fit. I think, and, and you know, with NFL, again, big matchup game, um, as big as it is about matchups, it's about fit within a system. And he complements this offense, like, perfectly. He's mobile, can throw it downfield, can make all the throws. Um, isn't a kind of a selfish guy. You know, he doesn't mind handing it off to Derrick Henry 40 times. Um, you're not going to get any kind of, like, you know, the diva-ish kind of drama when, you know, maybe he's not getting his. Uh, so yeah, I love everything about this Titans team and they've even battled some kind of big injury. I think they've got a couple of guys on their own line bang. I know Taylor Lewan's out for the year. Shout out Michigan. Um, yep. <laughs> and I want to they had, they lost another one. I want to say, or maybe it was just for, you know, the rest of that game, but I am so impressed with the Titans. Wish the lions would have gotten Brable over Patricia in hindsight. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Titans. Give me the Titans 34, Browns 24. I like the score. Um, next game, obviously, we took took a lot of time talking about this game. Why? Because it's one of the games you look at and you go, hey, this is probably going to be a good game this weekend. Uh, the next one that I look at and I see is Bengals at Dolphins. My, I, I had When I had a noted Browns fan and also fantasy expert Andy McNamara on Monday, he told me, if you're looking for a quarterback for Week 13, go get Fitzpatrick. I think Fitzpatrick, this game is not going to be like last year's crazy game where it was like 
I think it went to overtime. And they almost tied. It was like 34 to 31, I think, was the final score. I think the score is a little different this time, obviously, because the Bengals without Burrow, especially. Um, I have not much to say. I think Miami wins this one. I'm going to go Miami uh, 28 to, let's say 16. I'm going to give a weird score, Gami, 28 to 16. Because, look, I know that the Bengals' offense had luck, but that was against the Giants, and I think that the Dolphins' defense is better than the New York Giants. Not a diss to the Giants. I'm saying they have a great defense. I love Patrick Graham. But, man, the Dolphins are a much better football team than the New York Giants were. Or are. Definitely. And super, super, um, super bad deal, obviously, for Joe Burrow a couple weeks back there now. Um uh, that's a huge blow. I've heard that they might not even he might not even play at all next year, and they might just let him like fully recover and just kind of you know grind in the film room and you know off the field. Uh, but yeah, as far as this game goes, I obviously Dolphins all the way. I'm gonna go Dolphins. I you know I think it's gonna be a little bit on the low scoring side. Um, I'll go Dolphins twenty four. And Bengals 13. I like that. The other thing I want to say, too, is um, the only other reason why I think they may let him sit is because, like, if look at what happened with Carson Wentz, for example, where his play has gone downhill since coming back from the ACL injury, where he hurt it in December, returned in November. Excuse me. And also, too, Carson Wentz had this in 2005, or when he hurt his ACL. The next year he came back. He was, like, the, what happened with Sam Darnold after the whole seeing ghosts thing. He was seeing ghosts, and he was freaking out and just, like, getting getting rid of the ball maturely, and he looked bad. So you want a confident quarterback. You don't want a quarterback going in there being, like, every time I get hit, they're shitting themselves. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, next one up, Jags-Vikings, same thing. Uh, I know the Vikings looked a little weird against the Panthers, but I think the Panthers are a bit of a better team than people think they are, even though they are, like, 4-8 right now. Um, Jacksonville straight-up sucks. Uh, the Vi- yeah. I think this is another game too. The Vikings have Adam Thielen back. I think this is a low-scoring game, though. I'm going to say uh, twenty-one to ten for the Vikings. Twenty-one ten Viking. I mean, Dalvin Cook. I don't know that the Jags. You know, I guess if you're going to say if there's a bright spot, it's that defense kind of still, even though they've lost a lot of key guys over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I am taking the Vikings all the way here, and I think that. They they win this one pretty handedly. I'm going to go 31 uh, 10 in favor of the Vikings. I think Dalvin Cook has yet another big day. I can see that, but for fantasy, I need Justin Jefferson and I'm feeling that big days. Justin Jefferson, to me, has been like, I mean, we all knew who he was coming out, but you don't always see rookie wide receivers um, perform to this caliber. So that's kind of, like, if I was a Viking fan, and, you know, I'd be encouraged. They've got a lot of good pieces. I'm not sold on Kirk Cousins, especially at his salary. But, and that has nothing to do with the MSU thing, <laughs> I promise. Um, I think Vikings fans would tell you that themselves, that they're not too sold on Cousins. But I think the Vikings, if they play their cards right, they could be back in the thick of things next year. Um, I, you know, I with the Packers. It's the rotating year thing. Look, and it's an odd number year, they make the playoffs. If it's an even number year, they don't. But I also think, too, this is a bit of a redshirt year for them because, look, Rick Spielman got an extension. He's not going anywhere. Mike Zimmer got an extension. He's not going anywhere. Cousins got an extension. He's not going anywhere. Even though I feel like there's still a possibility that San Francisco may come calling for uh, 
him considering the whole Kyle Shanahan, and we, we can talk about Jimmy later on. Um, it's a very d- interesting situation, but like you said, I think next year, look, the Vikings, all they have to do really, I still say this, shape your offensive line. They got rid of Pat uh, Pat Elfin for like nothing. They lost uh, Everson Griffin, I believe, and also too, they had Yannick Ngakwe, but they just let him go because they were like, they didn't really care for him, which I don't understand why Yannick Ngakwe is a great defensive end. Um, yep. The Vikings are just a very interesting team. I think, too, if they have good tight ends. They have, like, Kyle, Kyle Rudolph's very reliable is the word I'm looking for, where, look, when you need yards, he'll get them, and he's good at blocking. Irv Smith, the Alabama product, same thing. And same thing with Conklin. Oh, no. Yeah, is Con- I'm trying to think of Jack Conklin. No, Jack Conklin's Cleveland. I believe there's... Cleveland, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm confused. But, yeah, no, those two are good. And, man, I gotta, I'm going to look this up for myself, just for my own knowledge to see about that situation with the Minnesota Vikings, but... If you look at them, like you said, all they need to do, add in a few little pieces. Going to this offseason, they don't need to overcomplicate things. All they need to do is just, look, this is what we need to fix. And if, Oh, uh, Tyler Conklin is the tight end. Okay, um, yep. Um, if they go into it, literally, look, you have two great receivers um, who I now honestly feel like they don't regret giving up digs. I don't think they do with Justin Jefferson. Because, look, you have them for longer and the money's cheaper. Yep. But, look, it's like we said before. Next year, they could be right back at it. I think they will be. I think we don't know what the Bears are going to be, and more than likely the Lions are going to be a bottom team. So, look, you play your cards right in Minnesota, you'll be back in the playoffs next year. Definitely. And I think one thing to know with the Vikings, uh, looking here, they're 2-4 and four at home, and that's kind of insane considering you know that stadium, how it's structured, that beautiful brand-new stadium is um, designed – to be loud and with no fans there um you know i think they're one of the teams that were really hurt by that and this year unless you're traveling from coast to coast i don't really see any like home field advantages like whatsoever um so yeah that's just one thing i wanted to point out there i think you know next year getting fans back into that place and you know if they play their cards right this offseason i would watch out for the minnesota vikings for sure yeah, exactly. You, you nailed it on the head. Um, moving on to the next game is the next in the other battle of 500-plus club teams. And this, honestly, is a division eliminator game. Like, you know how with the UFC you see the whole contender eliminator fights? This is a division yeah. eliminator. This is the Rams visiting the Cardinals. You have two teams who, look, can either look good at times, and then you have teams who... Man, they cannot look good. Like, like look at the Cardinals. They got the Hale Murray, then they looked like wonky against the Seahawks, and then they lost to the Patriots when they... I'll even be the first to admit, they should have won that game, but thank you, Zane Gonzalez. Um, and then the Rams is the same thing as, like, the Browns and the Eagles, like, except they're a little better because they're better coached, obviously, and they have a great defense. You do not know what you're going to get with Jared Goff week in and week out. You don't. Yeah, they, I mean, you know, you watch, I watched the what was it the Rams and Bucks game, and Jared Goff. I mean, he outperformed Tom Brady, and then you know you turn you turn the page and the following week, and he looks awful. And like you said, you just don't know what you're getting with them. At the same time, as you kind of alluded to, you also don't. You don't. It's so weird to me. You don't know what you're getting with the Cardinals either. You mentioned, you know, losing to the Patriots. They also lost to the Lions. I mean, this this is a team to me that feels like uh, 
they're underachieving a bit, but they're also, you know, anytime you've got a playmaker like Kyler Murray and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you, that's, that's, this is another team that could, you know, finish the year somewhere around like a nine and seven, 10 and six. And there you, you probably don't want to catch them in the playoffs either just because they're so dynamic offensively. Um, just depends what they're going to bring on any given week. Exactly. Because like, it's like, look, either team can flip the switch on and be good. It's like you said with Goff. If you look at the games or even to look at Jared Goff against, like, Miami and then Tampa. It's two different quarterbacks. And also two of the Rams. I remember they had a Sunday night game against the uh, Niners. The first game against the Niners, week six, I believe it was. And the Niners looked great. Jimmy was back and healthy. But then it's like they were saying... Oh look, they went 0-4 against the NFC East. I'm like, that's not an accomplishment. Like a team built of the YWC and national crew could beat the NFC East teams right now. Because we all know the NFC East is terrible, which we still have to talk about all of them because all the teams have played in the late window or they play on Sunday or they play on or not on Monday or they play on Tuesday. That's right, with Tuesday night football this week. Um yep. this is like literally as soon as I saw that, I'm like What's the accomplishment? Because if you look at their four wins, NFC East, and then they beat Tampa, which I'm like, okay, that's impressive. They beat Seattle, but I'm like, look, divisional football. Um, i got to figure out what their other two wins were. Because, like, oh, yeah, they had the Bills, but then that was just such a weird game. They beat the Bears, but at that point it was kind of like the Bears. That was the first game. And that's another thing, too, I was going to say. If you go and look at golf against that first Niner game to the Bears game, it's two different quarterbacks. It's like, okay, everyone was talking about like the chess match McVay was playing over Nagy and one, but I'm like, go look at what Jared Goff did in the two games, and you're like, he's the, probably the most Jekyll and Hyde quarterback in this league. No doubt. I mean, you just – and that's got to be pretty frustrating, I'd imagine. Like, just not, not knowing what you're getting on any given week out of a guy that – I mean, we've seen it. He has the talent to be, and he's played in games where he looks like elite, like top, top three, top five quarterback. But the, it's these, and then it's like these just awful games. There's just no in between. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, with that being said, though, I want to get into the score because I don't want to be going on for too, too long. We do. Yep. Have, I'm I'm gonna say Cardinals win, but twenty eight to twenty four. Yeah, I definitely have this one close. I, I, I'm actually going to go Rams here. I think I think we get good Jared Goff this week. Um, Cardinals, Cardinals last week just didn't look great. Don't know if the travel played into that at all. Um, give me the Rams. Uh, twenty-seven. I'm going to go 27-20 in favor of the Rams. Um. Next up, we have Giants at Seahawks, which this is a game where, uh, not even a game, this is a Seattle team, look, they're getting it right at the right time. You know how everyone says, oh, wait for a team to get it right in December? The Seattle Seahawks are doing that, and that's a very scary thing. I think they're winning the West. I think they're going to be right there in that NFC. That one, that race to the one seed in the NFC is going to be thrilling. I still think the Saints win the conference, but I think the worst case scenario is the Hawks finish in third place in the NFC. Absolutely, I agree. I'm only saying that because I'm like, look, I have no faith. Like the Giants, the Giants look good, but I think this is a game where it's kind of like you're remembered. Yeah, like the Giants still have a lot of work to do, and plus to the whole no Daniel Jones potential. 
it's easy to go with the uh, Seahawks here, and I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say 27 to 10. I think I know offense to the Giants; they've been playing good, but I'm like, look, if Daniel Jones isn't playing, it's gonna be a long day for Giants fans. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Seahawks here, 31-13. Uh, they're you know one of the teams that's still five and zero at home. Granted, a lot of teams have to travel the furthest to play them, and definitely no exception here. Um, New York to Seattle, and yeah, thirty-one to ten. Give me or thirty-one thirteen. Give me the Seahawks. Yes. All right. Next up, we have the same. It's just literally the similar matchup too. We have the Packers and the Eagles, which for some godforsaken reason, this is a four twenty-five. This is a CBS like prime slot. I looked it up. Nance and Rollmore calling this game, which I don't get. Um, it's because of Aaron Rodgers. Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, oh, also too, it's his birthday today. So happy thirty seventh birthday, Aaron Rodgers. Um, is he 37 already? He is thirty seven. Oh my god! Well, I guess what he was drafted in 04? 05. 05, Yep, you're right. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, but you know what? The spread. Oh, and also too, the um, games with big spreads are like Dolphins, Bengals. Um, for some reason, Browns and Titans is six. So if I am gonna take a team, I'm gonna take. I would still pick Tennessee to win, but I think the Browns cover that spread. Um, the spread is nine. The Packers have been known sometimes. Look, if their run game gets exposed, I'm like, oh yeah, it's the Eagles. Um, I'm gonna say another easy win. I'm gonna say, look, if you look and saw what Aaron Rodgers did to the Chicago Bears on Sunday night, what's stopping him from doing this at Lambeau Field against the Philadelphia Eagles? I'm going uh, thirty-one to fourteen. For the Packers, yeah, I think the Eagles on paper have, I think, the best talent in that division. But they're the team that I would count on the least, if you want my honest opinion. I do not trust anything as long as Wentz is running the show there right now. He looks awful. Uh, I'm taking the Packers big here. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go 41. I think the Packers hang 40 over 40 on them. I'm going to go 41. Two twenty in favor of Green Bay. Ooh, just just right in the hearts of Eagles fans, um, which I unfortunately have a weird correlation when we were in New Orleans. I remember seeing a lot of Eagles fans. That's when I realized, yeah, there's a lot of wrestling fans who also cheer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, look with the Eagles. I for everyone thinking, oh, Carson Wentz is gone at the end of the year. I'm like, if you go look at his cap hit, uh, no, 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 they're they're not getting rid of him. Like I don't think they're going to eat that. Like he's old, like I think thirty nine million next year, and then like twenty four the next year. So it's like you're not finding a dance partner for that. Like Matt Stafford will be easy because look, Matt Stafford has a lot of upside. If you're Philly, you're done with like Wentz is there, um, and I think I don't think Peterson will get fired. I've heard hot seat rumors, and I've heard some people saying maybe he's on the hot seat. But I think look, they've made the playoffs the last three years. They still could make it even at three seven and one. And they've won a Super Bowl in the last three years. So I think he's got next year, though. It's a year where it's like, look, you either got to prove it or get out. Yeah, I think they got to win the division next year. And that's going to be tough because I do think the Giants are on the rise for sure. They've got a lot of young talent there, too. But, um, yeah, uh, I, yeah, it'd be silly to get rid of him. Too much success to uh, to just throw him to the curb after one bad year with uh, with some injuries and just, you know, COVID. So. Exactly, and uh, next up we have oh, man. This is a game I want it. Like I'm excited for, but I'm not excited for. This is the Patriots visiting the Chargers, the first of two back to back. Like Joe, I'm pro. Like I want you to convince me of why the Patriots will win this game because my mind is programmed to believe that we're gonna lose to the Chargers, but we're gonna beat the Rams. 
simply based off of look, New England this last few weeks, they've beaten the teams that they're not supposed to beat, like the Ravens and the Cardinals, and then they lose to the Texans and almost lose to the Jets. So, or they were down by 10 to the Jets, which I still can't believe they won that game. Like, convince me why yeah. why is New England going to win this football game? Or, yeah, or why yeah. New England's going to win this game. I think they they're running off the momentum of last week. They played ugly football, like real ugly, and still came out with a win, and that's always impressive. And you'll always take a win in this league. You nobody apologizes for any any Ws because we've seen really bad teams sneak up on good teams and vice versa. So I'm. You know, and of course, you know, Belichick, I, you know, still, I think he's, you know, the best modern coach that we've ever laid eyes on. He's a master game planner. And I think, you know, with him, I think he's going to try and bracket over Keenan Allen, take away that weapon from Justin Herbert. Got to watch out for Eckler. He's very versatile, as we know, both catching the ball and in the ground game. Um, you know, I'm going to take the Patriots in this one, not just because I'm uh, I'm on here with a Pats fan, um, but give me the Patriots, and I do get they are traveling, you know, cross coast again. Uh, but give me, I do like the Patriots here. The Chargers, Chargers are good. They got a bright future. They've lost a lot of close ones. I think they fall victim in a close one again. I'm going to take the Patriots, twenty-seven to twenty-four. It pains me to do this, but if I go in with the mentality of thinking they're going to lose, we're going to win. I'm going to say <laughs> Chargers 20-17. to 17. I think, you know what, I'm just saying that, like, look, I want New England to win. It's just, it's like with Houston. I thought, hey, we are going to go into Houston and, and win. But for all I know, look, I say the Chargers are going to win, and then New England wins. It's called cautious optimism, or in this case, it's just called me being a crazy bastard. Um... You're trying to work in that like reverse psychology effect. Exactly, reverse psychology. Look, you like with the giant, like with the Jets game. I was like, hey, we're gonna win. Like, we're gonna win this one. We're gonna do good. We're gonna like, we're gonna do good. And then I was like at halftime, going like, okay, this is embarrassing. And then we snuck out a win. Like people were like, even two people were telling me that like, oh, you guys should have lost to the uh, Jets. I'm just like, look, at this point, I'm like, I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. Like look, cause Absolutely. Like, it's like those games, like because I I consider losing ugly, like losing pretty, like getting friend zoned. It's like, oh, you're a great guy, but I only like you as a friend. It's like, really? Yeah, it's like, or it's like you know, you come, you think you're so close, and in all reality, you just yeah, like it's all for not, like you you weren't, like you at the end of the day, the result isn't hell. Exactly, and also too, I have two teams right now who are in the hunt. I'll say the other later, but I'll say this right now. And I'm not saying this because I'm a fan. I'm also saying this too because I've heard other people say it and I do believe it. If the Patriots find a way to sneak into the playoffs, I wouldn't want to face them. I know people are going to call me crazy for that take, but I do believe, look, if New England finds a way to squeak in, I don't think they'd be an easy out. Like a lot of people think, yeah. oh, well, they're going to make, they can make the playoffs and look at their asses kicked by Kansas City. They gave Kansas City a very tough time every time they played them. And this year too, they gave them a tough time with Brian fucking Hoyer a quarterback, which I still stand by my take of, look, if Cam was in that game, I think it's a lot closer than 26 to 10. Yeah. But that's just me. Uh, I mean, I think it just, you know, it all comes back, you know, uh, with a week of preparation, assuming, you know, or assuming that you don't know who you're playing the week prior, you know, given a week of preparation, I, you know, 
Belichick automatically has a leg up on any coach he's going against. And, you know, so much of the NFL is scheme and game plan. And there's no better than Belichick, in my opinion. Um, so they, their, their team, despite whatever their record is, I would never count them out. Um, so, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, I know if I was an opposing coach, uh, they're they're not a team that I'm super delighted to play in the postseason either. Yes, and also too, uh, look, I'm not saying that they're going to come out here and they're going to beat whoever. Oh, wow, we have NBA trade news. Shit. Um, I know this is not rib. This is a big deal. Uh, Houston Rockets have traded Russell Westbrook to Washington for Wall in a first round pick. Oh. Oh, my God. Shit. Oh, good Lord. I know this is a football podcast, but look, I am on uh, I'm on Twitter right now. I was just trying to look up some stuff for uh, for this podcast with football-related because I know I had it on here before as I go down, but I literally see uh, – I'll get the full details of the trade by Sham uh, – and a 2023 protected first-round pick. So, man, that's <laughs> – so John, they they deem John Wall. I guess you know it being protected kind of helps. But tell me, tell me that we'll we'll go off on a little bit of a tangent. Does does Brad, how how long until Bradley Beal requests a trade? <laughs> um, let's say uh, seventy two hours. Because there's a meme of three dogs holding a ball, and it says James Harden, John Wall, and Bookie. Like, <laughs> oh man, oh yeah, that is uh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, but no, you're right about the whole Belichick situation where it's like, look, like you, there's no better coach to game plan or scheme. Like there's no harder coach to game plan or scheme against than Bill Belichick because look, for every move you do, he's two moves ahead. And for everyone saying like, oh, do 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 the Patriots, just, hey, the Patriots could get in the playoffs and lose wild card weekend. I'm just saying, don't go in there expecting like if they play Kansas City in because I still do. Oh, that was what I was looking for earlier. It was a tweet. Uh, it was a tweet by a uh, past guest and friend of the program and both close friend of both of ours, Matt Lorenzo, because yeah. obviously if you follow Matt on Twitter, he's the most happiest person on the app. Um, <laughs> love you, Matt, but it's true. He said, if the Bills, I got the tweet right here, if the, Beal, if the Bills don't beat the Steelers, they'll probably go undefeated. I take Chiefs on the road all day, every day against the 17-0 Steelers team, LOL, which after the Bud Dupree injury, I do tend to agree with that, but... The one thing I want to say about the Steelers, and we'll get into them later, obviously, is just that, I, you know what, we'll save it for later. I just wanted to bring that up. Um, but yeah, no, that's my theory on the Patriots. Like, look, hate me for it or not, but look, they're one of the teams I think that if they make the playoffs, like, I'd rather play them than the Raiders in the playoffs. Absolutely. No doubt. Um, next up, we have Sunday Night Football, in which a game I don't know why the hell this is Sunday Night Football, between the Broncos and the Chiefs. Spread is 14 Joe, do the Broncos cover that spread? Do the Broncos have a quarterback this week? I think so. <laughs> I do not think they cover regardless. Um, yeah, we'll keep this one brief. I've got the Chiefs. Oh, man. I got the Chiefs hanging 42 on them at home. 42-24 uh, in favor of the Chiefs. I want to give a score of Gami, but I remember it's Brandon McManus, and also this game's actually in Arrowhead, not in Denver. I'm going to go score of Gami. All right. 30, like 37 to 12. 37 to 12. All right. I can get behind that. Yeah. All right, so now we get to talk Steelers, because the Steelers play the football team at 
5 o'clock on Monday afternoon. I'm going to take the Steelers to go 12-0, and but the spread is 10. I honestly would not be surprised if the football team covered that spread. Definitely. Uh, once again, we're kind of thinking along the same lines. Uh, you know, anytime, you know, the, the, the football team's defense, Washington's defense, they... They, they've got something going there. You know, Scary Terry is a weapon, no doubt. Um, and, that, you know, that I just feel like that's a big blow to that defense, losing losing Dupree. Uh, with that said, I, you know, do feel comfortable. Like you mentioned, Steelers go improve to 12-0, and 0, but I think they keep it closer than what some might think. Uh, I'll take the Steelers here. Uh, give me the Steelers 31-17. I like it. I like it. Um, the one thing I was gonna say earlier about the whole give me a seventeen and zero Steelers, a Chiefs like if it's Chiefs Steelers, like people. I think everyone's gonna pick the Chiefs, but look, even with the loss of Bud Dupree, I still think there's a chance that the Steel like the Steelers are they've been disrespected all year, and I feel like everyone is expecting Kansas City to be handed the Lombardi. But when was the last time we had a season? I actually I do know it was the twenty thirteen Seahawks, where pretty much they, it was a flawless year. Because if you look at the last three Super Bowl champions, you had the Eagles, who had the underdog gimmick the entire time because they lost Carson Wentz and were playing with Nick Foles. You had the Patriots in 2018, where they had the bad losses against Jacksonville and Detroit, and then the Miami Miracle, and then Pittsburgh, where people like were writing them off. And then last year, too, Kansas City, you did not know what you were going to get. Because, look, Patrick Mahomes was hurt. They struggled. And the year before that... When Mahomes was the MVP that he may be against, which I, at this point I do think it is him. I think it's his trophy to lose, the MVP for the season. The team doesn't go to the Super Bowl. Like, look at the Baltimore Ravens last year. So I think you got to lose bad around this time. A loss does not hurt. Obviously, it may hurt your record. It won't hurt your mental confidence. And I think, look, if the Steelers go 16-0 and but are still second in the power rankings, they're looking at that like, look, We've played, not, I know they haven't played perfect football. They've played very ugly football. They've been on a lot of ugly losses. But this is a Steeler team where, look, if they get disrespected, I don't know what's, that's just fueling their fire. That's just a little rant I wanted to go on. But I Definitely. think that the Steelers win this game. You know what? Actually, I was going to go the same score as you, but I'm going to change it up because I'm a good guy. I'm going to go 34-20 to 20 with, I think Gibson does have about, over 70 yards rushing. Okay, yeah. Also, I will say, I think Mike Tomlin's, like, one of, like, I know people have strong opinions on him one way or the other. I think he's kind of underappreciated for sure as a coach. Oh, 100%. Also, too, do you know that the Steelers have only had three head coaches in the last 50 years? That's insane. Yeah, so that's probably, if everyone's like, oh, dude, this is just... Like the Steelers are one of the best run organizations in the NFL. They have the most They're just the model of consistency. Yeah, like literally, they had Chuck Knoll, they had Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin's been there since 2007. So, and that's like two for like I thought this year he was going in with us like on the hot seat because look, he had the two bad years of the play. Like, obviously, Ben was hurt, and then there's some other stuff. But when you look at what they've accomplished this year too, they're 11 and 0. Like even if they finish 15 and 1. Mike Tomlin's not going anywhere. I think Mike Tomlin's a very underappreciated coach, too. Um, the next game is the Monday night game. Bills 49ers and Joe. This is the other team that I was going to go for when I was saying the whole 
team who can, if they sneak in the playoffs, you do not want to face. That's the 49ers. Interesting. Yeah, they, they're a team, too. Um, they've kind of, you know, when you think of the Niners, right away, I think defense. And then offensively, they kind of have this smash mouth kind of old school, you know, the West Coast offense. We're going to run it, run it, run it, play action, short pass, run, run, run. Um, and, hey, you know, they're sitting at five and six. I feel like they're a little bit better than what that five and six shows. Um, unfortunately, I, I think this is going to be a super close game. I'll put that out there to start. Um, I this, this is by far my toughest pick. I'll let you go on first on this one. This is a game, honestly, where I, I it's going to be close. This is going to be a great game. Uh, it's unfortunate who's calling it because if you know me, I do not like the Monday Night Football crew this year. I think they're very yeah. boring. I think they're very plain. And do you think it's worse than? Uh, do you think it's worse than Witten and Booger? I liked Booger with Tess when it was Joe Tessator and Booger. I liked that, but I understand. Though, but Tess is Tess is like kind of guy where you can fit him in anywhere, and he's good. He's good at calling college. He's good at calling NFL. I agree. This no. If this was just Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Brian Greasy, I do not like. I feel like sometimes he throws in backhanded compliments and everything else. Meanwhile, Lewis Riddick knows his stuff. Like, Lewis Riddick could be a general manager in this league, straight up. Yeah, and he's actually one of the, like, I mean, of course, there's no, like, true candidates yet, but he's one of the guys that um, is being mentioned for the Lions job, or GM job, for sure. I don't see why you don't go after him. He's a, he, he's a great football mind. Like, whenever you hear him on ESPN and calling the games, like, he knows this game. He's been in offices before. He's been a director of player personnel before. So it's not like Mike Mayock or John Lynch where he's kind of making that step and you kind of question mark it. Which, but with John with John John Lynch, though, he's been a fantastic general manager. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say about this game? But going back to the game. Going back to the game. Getting away from the whole GM spot with the in the broadcast booth because that's just the knack that I have. This is the kind of game where I think Josh Allen has to step up because I think his defense is going to have a tough time handling the Niners because, look, Raheem Morris has been looking looked good last week. Debo Samuel is healthy, and shout-out Phil, South Carolina Gamecock. Um, he looked fantastic last week. Uh, he helped me beat, actually, uh, very number one fan of the program, Randy Osga in uh, Matt Lorenzo's other fantasy league that we're involved in. Um, I want to say Niners just because you know me, I don't like the Bills. But I'm going Buffalo 30-27. to Yeah, I've got to take Buffalo here. Um, I do think it's going to be close, and it would not surprise me if this game, like I mentioned, goes either way think the spread is two the last I had checked in favor of Buffalo um two and over under is 48 okay yeah so I you know I Vegas and I are kind of thinking alike here I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Bills 27 49ers 23 you know what this is a game where it's literally I think both defenses are gonna have struggles but look like when it comes to defenses like Robert Sala is a great defensive coordinator it's just look Josh Allen, I think, is going to – if they find a way to disrupt – if they find a way to disrupt Josh Allen, though, the Niners will win this game. But 
I think to San Francisco, not San Francisco, Buffalo has more offensive weapons like Diggs, not a knock on like obviously Kendrick Bourne and like Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert and stuff. I said Raheem Morris earlier. I was confusing the two. Um, Buffalo just has so many options and look to their Brian Dable is going to pull stuff out for this game. I think you're going to see oh, some. No, no. Yeah, Brian Dable obviously came from New England. He knows how to throw trick plays. Like they're going to pull, they're going to do something. I think they're it's one of those games. You know what? Buffalo just just excuse me. Buffalo does just enough to win. Yeah, and if they're if they if they kind of want to go on their run, this would be this would kind of be a statement game. And I think if they pull this one out, and if if somehow they end up winning by a few scores, uh, you know, I feel like they had people's attention early. Then you kind of get into the thick of the season. Um, people kind of you know, you know, there's a lot of storylines that develop. I feel like they've almost kind of been almost like forgotten about a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, if they want, if they win by a few scores, I, you're going to see everybody talking about uh, Josh Allen and this Bills team and how they deserve to be considered a legit contender. Uh, personally, and also too, this is also a fan of me saying that I still think they need. I think they need to like sharp. If they can just sharpen up their defensive line just a little bit, and like they have some bad offensive uh, line penalties, if they can just like kind of stop that, and maybe you know what. I know, like I like Devin Singletary. I like Zach Moss. Last year, I was saying this: they need a deep weapon. They went on and got Diggs. If they can get a solidified, like, a, like let's, I'm gonna throw this out again, Joe, and I apologize in advance. If they can go out and get like Najee Harris or just a great running back in the draft, yep, this team next year is gonna be very scary. So I, think- yeah, I feel like I feel like Singletary and Moss, like you know, of course Moss being a rookie, but I just I don't. I don't know if they've kind of like seen all that they need to see from Singletary because a lot of the people coming into the year like had him pegged as like a huge sleeper, and some guys were like reaching for him like pretty high. Um, so it'll yeah, I agree. If they if they get like a legit threat and then use those guys as kind of complementary pieces, you have a really nice stable of running backs there. Exactly. Um, or not even like a Najee Harris type in the draft. Like if they can go out and get someone in free agency or trade for someone. Like they call um, Buffalo calls him Big Baller Bean, their general manager. So look, if he's not afraid to go out there and sacrifice a first round pick to get a stud running back, I don't see why not. Or even to look into like Kareem Hunt, who I on like I know Cleveland's got that two headed monster and they like it, but at the end of the day. You got to make some sacrifices, and I think Nick Chubb's their guy. So, like, if you want to go for someone like that, like, I don't see why not. Definitely. Um, and to wrap this up, because I don't want to take up too much of anyone's time, especially Joe's time. I'm not sure if you've got anything going on tonight. We have Tuesday night football this week. So this this coming next week for football is great. You've got Monday night doubleheader. We have a Tuesday night game, and we've got the Patriots and the Rams on Thursday. So it's a nice little week midweek platter of football. But we have the Ravens versus the Cowboys. And this week, I don't, Joe, I don't know if you saw this, but did you see what Jerry Jones said about the quarterback situation with the whole Denver Broncos stuff? Uh, yeah, I did catch that. That is a complete slap in the face to Ben DiNucci. I know Ben DiNucci is not the best quarterback, but he's a quarterback. Kendall Hinton is a wide receiver that the Broncos played. So to compare Ben DiNucci to Kendall Hinton, that is just pure disrespect. Yeah, um, I feel like a guy that probably doesn't take back a whole lot of, of what he says would probably like to have that one back. Um, 
and I'm not sure if it was intended to come off like that or not. I am a guy that tends to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt, but I mean, he was just, I agree, it was wrong. <laughs> it was a very backhanded compliment. Yep, for sure. Um, but I just wanted to say that, but as for this game, I I want to say Baltimore's going to pull them out, but I honestly think the way the Ravens have been playing, I would not be shocked if this is like a very low-scoring close game of football. Yeah, so obviously, you know, a little bit of a little bit of COVID going on with the Ravens. They're, yeah, they've been hindered by that quite a bit. Um, with Dallas, you know, I just I look for them always to try and establish the run game and let that open up the pass game. I, I, you know, they have that good offensive line. They've got Zeke. Uh, you know, try to take some pressure off of Andy Dalton or whomever is going to be starting or whoever ends up in that game. I just feel like it's been a revolving door at quarterback for them for the last two months. Uh, but, yeah, give me the. I'm going to take the Ravens here, and uh, I'll take them 31-10. to 10. I don't, I'm not giving Dallas a whole lot of love here. I'm not either. I'm not, I, look, I'm not either. I think Dallas is, Dallas is going to have a lot of questions to answer this offseason. Uh, they obviously have the Dak Prescott situation, which if they're at a play, I, I still believe this. That if they're to play to get Trevor Lawrence, I think there's a very good chance they do it, and Dak is somewhere else next year. But at the same, because they always say to, "Oh, we're committed to Dak, we're committed to Dak." But if they look at it like, "Look, we can," if they give Dak the franchise tag next year, I think that's just disrespectful. Um, if because for all we know, to Dak can just say, "No, I don't want to sign it. Either pay me full time or I'm out," and the Cowboys can't do anything. So the Cowboys have a lot of questions this offseason because look, you've paid everyone but him. You've got a very good running back in uh, Lamb. You got a very good running back with CD Lamb, or not running back with Lamb, a receiver, excuse me. And you have Elliott, who's had a really down year this year. Um, and they've got some nice pieces on defense for sure. Their secondary is actually not awful, not like terrible. And um, uh, the linebacker's name who escapes me, Van is it Van Der Esch and um, yep. Jalen Smith from Notre Dame. Yep, for sure. So. Um, yeah, the Cowboys had their work cut out for them. They've got a lot of nice pieces. Again, they're one of the teams that have to play their cards right this offseason. And uh, if they start out slow next year, I think you're going to start to see, I, you know, in, with Jerry Jones' personality, I could see McCarthy getting the boot pretty quick. Yeah, I think, because like for everyone saying, oh, McCarthy's going to be worn and done, I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. They were dealt a bad blow. I think they've obviously win more than three games of Dax in the lineup. I don't think they get embarrassed by, um, what's his name? Oh, sorry, folks. We'll be back in uh, just a quick second. We had some technical issues, so just stand by, okay? Okay. All right, folks, so we're back now. Like I said before, Joe and I had some technical difficulties, and we actually started talking a bit, but now we're back. Um, but, yeah, it's like I said before, Dallas had a, you know, they suffered a bad blow with losing Dak Prescott to the against the Giants Week 5. Andy Dalton really is not your quarterback. Um, I know the Ravens have been bad lately. Like, they've struggled ever since the Pittsburgh loss. But I think if you have a game where they're going to get right, or not even, like, get right to the point where it's like, hey, they're Super Bowl contenders. But, like, look, where if you can steer yourself in the right direction, this is the game. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think with – regards to Baltimore, if they can come back healthy, this is kind of a, hey, let's get back on track. 
and let's, you know, hey, you know, it wasn't too long ago. We were one of the most feared teams in the entire league. Like, let's get back to that. It's time, you know, it's postseason time. This is when, you know, the cream rises to the top. Um, yeah, they, they've got to go in and make a statement and play a clean game. Uh, if they if this game's even close, it'd be an embarrassment. Yeah, like if the if the everyone from their list is healthy, that's on the COVID list. But here's the other big thing too. I'm going to look at with them. If they can have guys like Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams back healthy and Matthew Judon, it's a long day. If those guys aren't there and we get the defense we got today, I think you're going to see Zeke get fed a lot in this game. Because if yep. I'm Dallas, look. We saw Pittsburgh today because, for those of you who are wondering, yes, we're recording on Wednesday, December 2nd. Um, for those of you who are wondering, look, none of the Pittsburgh receivers had big days. So if Dallas can look at the, how Pittsburgh beat them and say, like, hey, maybe if we run the ball against this defense, we may win. But if this defense is back and healthy and there's Lamar Jackson on the other sideline. But there's the other thing, too. COVID may kick his butt. Like, look at Cam in his first game back. Like, he struggled. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what we're going to get. I still think the Ravens will win this game and be seven and five and kind of like in that. Cause the Ravens, if you look at their schedule, this is, they're pretty easy. Like they have after this, they have Cleveland, the, the, um, giant, they have the giants. I think they have the Bengals still. And then there's someone else they have to face. I, I don't remember their week 15 opponent on the top of my head. I'm going to look it up right now to, for uh, curiosity reasons. And so I can actually get my, uh, Facts, right? Oh, yeah, they play the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, I think the worst-case scenario is 11-5, and five, but if they do blow a game and go to 10-6, and six, it's like... I think that Cleveland Browns game next week for them is the game where you really look at them and go, okay, who is this football team really? Because if they beat Cleveland like the way they've beaten Cleveland in Week 1 and some other teams, this is a team where you go and look and, okay, hey, they can make noise in the month of January. But if they don't, no one's going to believe in them. Yeah, they like I said, they really need to come out strong, and then that following week, like you mentioned, is like going to be an ultimate tone setter going in to you know as we get as we kind of wrap up the season. One hundred percent. But with my score for this game, I'm gonna not. I, I want to say close, but after what happened last week, I'm not going that route. Uh, I'm gonna say twenty-four to seven. Like, you know, like, the Ravens look good, but then at the same time, too, I feel like there's some moments where they get frustrated, where the defensive line may kind of figure them out, especially, like, Van Der Esch and Smith. Yep. But, you know what, I still think Baltimore, this is that game where everyone kind of looks at them differently and goes, like, you know what, maybe this team's got something. Because, you know, I said before, look, every team kind of suffers to win a Super Bowl. Yep. I said this back in August where I was like... What if the Ravens have to go through some struggles to get to beat their January woes? Because now people are wondering, are they going to pay Lamar Jackson? I think you said it earlier too even, where I still think he's going to get his contract next year. It's just, I don't think he's going to get the Patrick Mahomes bag. I think he'll get like a Deshaun Watson-like contract. Yeah, I think that's, I think you nailed it. Uh, I You can't justify paying him Patrick Mahomes money right now. And that Unless, feels weird because it's like, okay, he won an MVP, but if I'm a GM, I and it's kind of unfair, but you know, the super mobile quarterbacks, they almost seem like ticking time bombs. And he granted he's a little bit more elusive than your average mobile quarterback, and he does seem to kind of get out of bounds. He knows not to kind of fight for, you know, those meaningless extra couple of yards, you know, when you're gonna take a huge blow. 
but I would be very weary as a GM to, you know, fork out, you know, a ton of cash for him for sure. Oh, hundred percent. But, um, I just, man, this team is just so weird where there's like, there's games of this team where I'm just like, man, like they look good. But then there's the moments like not even the Pittsburgh game, but like the games against like Tennessee and New England where like they just got bullied the entire game. Like obviously people like the Ravens fans are going with the Tennessee game was like, Oh, but the weather was bad. I'm like, and it's like, oh, it, it benefited New England. I'm like, it's not like Baltimore's a warm weather place. Baltimore's a cold, cold weather city. Yeah. So that's just one that's thing I wanted cool. to throw in there. That's all. But anyway, like I said, I think this is a game where if the Ravens win it, they kind of look at it. Look, because if they go to six and six, there's. I don't think it's gonna happen. But look, if six and six and f- losing five out of six. Yeah, it's just, it's not a good, it's, yeah, not not a great look. Not at all. But, um, Joe, since before we wrap up today, because I don't want to take up too much of your time and also the pub- listening public's time, if you, if I had to ask you right now for a Super Bowl prediction, where would you go? Uh, this is probably going to sound like so, like, cliche, generic, whatever you want to call it. I, you know, you know me, I'm a big Tom Brady guy. I don't, uh, there's something about the Bucks. The Bucks are just missing too many, like too many pieces. Vita Vey got hurt. So I, I'm going to rule out the Bucks from the NFC. Uh, NFC, man, is really up for grabs. It really is. Uh, I, I do like the Seahawks and I think we're going to get a really solid matchup if we can get the, if we can get the Chiefs and the Seahawks. You know what? I so think, that's that. That would be my prediction as of today. That's a Super Bowl. I think a lot of people want to see. Mine. I, yeah. I. I don't know where I would lean right now, but in August, I actually said Ravens and Saints. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's just, yeah. I. We'll see. Do you think Drew Brees comes back? I think he comes back, but you know what I think it is. I think um, it's about with the NFC. Which defense do you trust the most? And for me, that's the Saints' defense. Yep, and they've you know they've been there. They've had a lot of those playoff battles. So yeah, never never count out Sean Payton and the Saints. Exactly, because like with the Packers, it's like hey, they're eight and three right now, but their losses that was... defense is yeah that defense is atrocious, and they play in you know a division that's down this year. And also, too, their weapons, like you have Devontae Adams. You take Devontae Adams, like if you get a good cornerback on Devontae Adams where he gets taken away, it's where do you go from here? And then if, like I know they brought in Tavon Austin, but it's like Tavon Austin is an NFL NFL prospect who never panned out. So it's, you had chances to draft like all these guys. Like they could have gotten Chase Claypool. They could have gotten Brandon Ayuk. They could have gotten Mike. That's another guy I want to talk about is Michael Pittman Jr. is really coming to form these last few games. I actually follow him on YouTube, him and his uh, fiance, and uh-huh. he was hurt for a bit. He was a vi- he was a finalist for the Bolitnikoff Award last year, so it's not like, oh, it's just some guy coming out of USC. No, he's a very good receiver. He lost out to Jamar Chase, who is going to be a great NFL. He's going to be a top five pick this coming draft. Oh, and yeah. CeeDee Lamb, who's a stud right now, who I think is... Him and Jack, if I had to pick two receivers from this draft, who were the best? It's him and it's Lamb and Jefferson. No doubt, no doubt, and yeah, it's. I always like you know when you like again. I think it's super encouraging when you see a young receiver doing some things because that up until recently, 
that was a position that typically always took like a couple years, at least two, if not three, for somebody to kind of really get rolling. And I think part, you know, part of it might be today's day and age where I feel like these college kids coming out just because of the training and all that stuff, they're so much more ready to play right away. Exactly. Like if you look at a lot of those path of the draft videos, like it's not like about how they do with the combine. It's how they prepare for the combine. Like I saw one recently with athletes first where it was like Ayuk was there, Claypool was there, Pittman was there. There's all other kind of position players that are there. Like people think, I think people think that like when they go for the combine and they like declare for the draft, it's like, oh, hey, they just go to the combine and then they have the pro day where it's like, no, they leave school and they go and grind at these facilities. Like a lot of them train with Michael Johnson, who's a former U.S. Olympian in track. Like, yeah, exactly. I they, I mean, and we had you know you get into the quarterbacks, and these kids are getting like, these kids are getting, um, you know, reps and practice in these camps. These camps that these kids go to, they're getting like elite coaching at like the age of like eight, nine, ten, and up, and all the way through. So I, I think that's why you're also seeing a lot of quarterback, young quarterbacks have success. Is this for uh, like for young kids who they think are elite, or is it just for parents kind of like pushing their kid, being like, "Hey, I want my kid to be in the NFL." Yeah, it's kind of a it's a mix. It's a mix for sure. Like a lot of you know kids, you know, gotta the kids gotta want it for themselves, but then at the same time, you know, the parent, you know, the parents gotta have the means to be able to travel and do all these kind of like elite showcase camps and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, and then, you know, just, like, you watch, like, Trent Dilfer's, like, you know, QB, his elite QB camp, and he gets all the best, like, high school kids, and then right before they go to college, they just duke it out in the Elite 11. And, I mean, that was stuff that, you know, guys like uh, Aaron Rodgers and all, they never had any of that, so. No, that's why you see, like, all these kids that are, like, ready to go and stuff. Um, all right, so. I think that's going to do it for today. I didn't mean to cut you off there, and if you felt like that way, I apologize, but... No, for sure. All right, Joel, one last thing i got to say before we go is, where can people find you? Yeah, so at Twitter, at JoeProvost3. Sean and I also have our Motor City Marks account, so that's at Motor City Marks, and same same handles on Instagram. And then, of course, YouTube, Motor City Marks. um, Punch that subscribe button, and... Yeah, that's what I got. I remember when I first met you guys, you were at 200, and I was at 600. Now, you're well past me. That's also, too, because you guys pump out a lot of YouTube content. I mainly just do this podcast now because, look, it's a lot easier. And also, too, sometimes I usually have been doing YouTube when I feel like it. But anyway, right. Joe. Yeah, for sure. You opened my eyes up to a lot of things on the coll- on the collegiate level and also, too, with this whole quarterback camp stuff. I didn't realize kids started training for that when they were, like, 8 or 9 years old. But we got to see how we do for week 13, but it was a blast today, man. I'll have you back yeah. on at any time you want. Like I said, if there's ever a time where I'm like, you know what? I want Joe Provost back on. I'll sign your DMs. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we've been trying to do this for a long time, and I'm glad it finally came to fruition. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. No problem. I feel like this episode is going to make Randy Oscar very happy. <laughs> Randy, gotta love him. Shout out to Randy Oscar. Well, anyway, guys, like I, I gotta do that, man. Number one listener, he always pumping my tires every, like every at least twice to two times, three times a week on Twitter. Well, anyway, guys, that's gonna do it for Joe and I. Episode forty-five of YWC Football Talk. Enjoy week thirteen. Oh, and let's see if um, I'm actually smiling on the next episode, or if I'm like kind of looking at it as, yeah, we gotta win out. Good night. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.